0: we've already mentioned... Oh, more invites. Thanks, uh, Bishop, for that. For those listening at home, we don't have some bishop that brought in invites we, uh, Guy that brought in invites same Bishop. Uh, that would sound weird, I think, if you're listening in Sri Lanka, I'm wondering. Uh, but as as we head down this, this path of 2015... It is our genuine desire that we have a constancy of purpose about ourselves that we will deliberately pursue being shaped into the very image of Christ as 2 Corinthians 3.18, Galatians 4.19 talks about. That we will pursue it. We'll pursue it with regularity. We'll pursue it with consistency. We'll pursue it with follow-up as we continue to engage in discipleship one with another. But we'll also recognize... That this work is being done not by our discipline, not by our reminders, but by the Holy Spirit. Next week we'll talk about spiritual disciplines that will promote that spiritual transformation all the more. But tonight, what I want to talk about, and I've talked about this with the teens and some of the leaders at different moments, but to really lay it out for all of us, the great work that the Holy Spirit wants to do, even while he's shaping us into Christ, the fact that every one of us, as we sit here right now, If we repented, were baptized for the forgiveness of sins, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, as the Bible dictates, well, then we were born of water and spirit. We have dwelling within us the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. And with that astounding gift and that entrustment from God, He wants to do a little something something through us. And for us to recognize what is it that the Holy Spirit desires to do he desires to do the will of God and to look at that let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 5 sorry about that and we'll start in verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This is a parallel passage to Colossians 4, which speaks of a similar idea that Paul shares and Colossians and Ephesians are very much parallel letters with lots of overlap concepts. But when Paul describes this same phenomenon and this same encouragement or exhortation to the church, he says to them, make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, making sure your speech is always full of grace, seasoned with salt. And here he brings that same idea home. Be wise. You're going to get these spiritual opportunities. Uh, We we had a study on this a couple of years back, these kairos moments. These divine golden windows of opportunity that open as we walk through this fallen world. And as they occur, be ready and make the most of those very opportunities. Because it's a fallen world. The days are evil. And when they're there, grab that brass ring. To use an anachronistic phrase that... Only if you grew up on the Asbury Park boardwalk in the 60s would you fully appreciate as I do. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's important because we're going to be talking about letting the Holy Spirit have free reign in our lives. Allowing ourselves to surrender the flesh, be led by the Spirit. And sometimes when you hear things like that, you might wonder, ooh, but will that kind of throw off restraint and send us down directions that might be a bit odd? I mean, after all, I've seen videos of, of some people who claim to be spirit led. and You know, they're, they're, they're kicking and they're falling over and they're barking and they're doing all sorts of things. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. I think what's going on there is actually nothing godly because here's what this passage goes on to say. Not only should we understand what the Lord's will is, but then verse 18 is a good linchpin with this idea. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's an interesting passage. In the Greek, there is a contrast as well as a comparison between the idea of getting drunk on wine and being filled with the Spirit. However, there is a moderator in this, is that... Don't get drunk on wine because it leads to debauchery. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. But what is the comparison between the two of those things? Well, the comparison is is that whether you are drunk on wine or whether you're filled with the Spirit, your fleshly inhibitions fall to the side. And sadly, for some of us who have had more than a few experiences of what it is to be inebriated, what it is to have too much wine, we know that our normal filter, our normal good sense of inhibition ends up falling to the side. And think about the the, the way that you kind of see as a stereotype, whether it be in film or perhaps even through experience, of someone that is drunk on wine. You do see their inhibitions down. And oftentimes, if you run into that person, they're hanging on you and they're like, oh, I love you, I love you so much. I think it might even, you know, my my own history with this sort of stuff. And I'm not trying to do it for a laugh here. I'm I'm trying to do it to illustrate that when our ambitions fall to the side, that we, again, have no filter, which is not always good. We, we, We say things without kind of running them through a variety of checkpoints. But many of those things that end up being said, are, are, are very deeply connecting, or at least that's the, the, the attitude of, of what we seek there. You also tend to sing more in that state. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a right stereotype that you think of, you know, the, the, the drunken group and, and they're all singing songs all the time. But then look at what this passage goes on to say. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with sim, psalms, hymns spiritual songs, sing, make music in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, please don't mistake at all what I'm suggesting when we turn ourselves over to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You don't act foolish or silly or debaucherous. However, you do allow your fleshly inhibitions to take a back seat And trust the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, because growing up, we... um, okay. Growing up, we, we all learned the lesson that by listening to those inhibitions of our flesh, by caring what people think, by having decorum in a variety of social settings, our lives will go better. Better... Not to be uh, slovenly, better not to be gross in a public setting, better not to share the joke that you think is so funny because it probably is going to upset or at the worst even insult many many people. All of that you learned and and those things all became part of the fabric of our inhibitions, good fleshly inhibitions. However, those same fleshly inhibitions are the same fabric which are often governed by pride. How do I look to other people? And now our consciences are informed, not by our flesh, but our consciences are informed by the Bible. Our consciences are informed by the Spirit. And we've got to get to a place where we can trust better to allow the fleshly inhibitions to be set aside so that the Holy Spirit can really reign unfettered, unchecked, by our pride. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit not of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, as 2 Timothy 1 says. It is timidity a lot of times why I, I don't come up to Nate and, you know what, put my arm around him and tell him how much I respect him, how excited I am every time I see him, what a great contribution he is to the energy of the singles, and how much I love him. Why? Because let's face it, even in fellowship, we have figured out what is decorous. What is social decorum that is polite behavior for us to get along and keep a comfort level? And if we're too cold, yeah, that's not good. But also if we're overflowing too hot, that also becomes a bit odd. And we're like, ooh, what's going on there? But if we're going to really allow a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline to, to really have expression in our lives, well, I'm probably going to have much more loving your brother from the heart, as Peter tells us, deeply from the heart, conversations that go on one to another. And not be so worried about, well, oh, I'm supposed to be a guy, is that really what this guy's going to do, And you know, etc. all the little things in the scripts that go on in our head. Likewise... As we make the most of every opportunity, especially those with outsiders, what what happens? We allow in our thoughts. Well, how am I going to look? You know, am I going to be silly here if I if I say this? You know, maybe maybe if I just give them an invitation, that seems a bit more normal. If I start talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done in my life, and and and, and you know, areas that probably don't occur in a Seven Eleven on a, a normal four o'clock Tuesday, right? I mean, all that goes through our head, right? And it. And it is our fleshly inhibition that keeps us in check. But he's not just keeping us in check. He's in a sense caging or capping the very power that raised Jesus from the dead from being expressed through every one of us. And if we're going to get serious about really being led by the Holy Spirit this year, we've got to be more honest to what degree are we allowing the pride of our flesh keep us back from allowing the spirit to have full expression. Now again, this and fall back and, you know, the running around and and all that sort of stuff. Honestly, that's exactly what debauchery is. So don't, you know, it's not just let it all hang out. No, no, no. It is a spirit of self-discipline. It is a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. It is also know what the Lord's will is. And and so you can trust as you turn yourself over to the leading of the Holy Spirit that it really will be in alignment with Christ. And by the way, it'll look more like Christ. And you don't see Christ kind of just acting goofy. You don't see Jesus running around and hooting and hollering. And you know shabba, shabba. You just don't see that. In Christ, or oh, there goes my leg again, and oh, you know, let the people hit the floor. That you don't see that in Jesus. (laughs) But but I know that that's often what. Well, I don't know if I want to like go down that way. You know what? If it's really the Holy Spirit, you're not going to go down there anyway. You're going to go down a beautiful path of love, of power, and of self-discipline. A beautiful path. Of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control.
1: You're going to go down a
0: path of freedom. We no longer have to be constrained by the law, but rather be led by the very Holy Spirit of God. In alignment with God's will, in alignment with the word of God. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to... Progress in our maturity where that is what our life looks like more and more every day. But we have talked about this before. We come out of a a movement, the Churches of Christ, which kind of came out of the Enlightenment. A lot of that was was suspicious of work of the Holy Spirit. It's time for us not to allow that legacy to constrain us any longer. And, And for us to be able to embrace that we have been reborn of the very Spirit of Christ. Amen? Yes. Amen. Now, it is interesting that the, the other passage, I know I talked about this a little while back, but look back in Acts chapter 2. You can keep your finger there in Ephesians 5. But look back in Acts chapter 2, and we see this other occasion where people make fun of the disciples saying, yo, those guys look like they've been drinking a bit too much. And when does that occur? At Pentecost, when Jesus is preached for the first time, all the nations are gathered and God launches his body, the, the body of Christ, the church. In verse 5, Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Acts two five. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them Speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they said, are not all these men who speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? There's, There's no like weird stuff going on here. There's no language of angels. They are speaking and they're being heard in their own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews, converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And by the way, tongue sometimes sounds mysterious. It's the same word in the Greek as language. You know they're speaking in tongues? Yes. They're speaking in Greek, in Cappadocian, in Egyptian, in Mesopotamian, and in, in the Medes language, in Parthian. That's the tongue that they're speaking in, in their own native tongues, or their own native languages. Yeah. Amazed and perplexed, verse 12, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine to drink. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, all of you live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. But it fulfills what the prophet Joel had said. When in the last days I will pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. And that is what is going on here. Now, if, if, if Denise hopped up right now and began speaking Hungarian, or Dexter could break out in Lithuanian, or if, um, if, 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 if um, Crystal was, was speaking Mandarin Chinese, I don't think any of us would have as our first response, Denise must be drunk. <laughs> no, if she's speaking another language, and you know that language, and you hear her speaking that language, you wouldn't think that, oh, she must be drunk. Because it says clearly in the passage, They understood her in their own native language, and they knew she was speaking their own native language. I don't think that's the cause for someone saying, Denise is drunk, or Peter is drunk. I think it was their behavior in general, in the way they loved deeply, in the way that they threw off restraint, in the way that they were led by the Holy Spirit, in the way that their flesh fell to the ground, in the way that they pursued Every opportunity for love, for power, for self-discipline, for the way that they were with one another, loving one another, unified with one another, yucking it up and having a blast and being astounded by God. I think it was those interactions. I think even as they sang to one another in, in all of this time of fellowship, astounded, giving thanks, overflowing in every turn. How good is God? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Singing to each other. That kind of activity, however... I think then you can see the crowd saying, whoa, this guy's a little over the top. Maybe they've had something to drink. But because they're speaking another language, that doesn't make sense. Right. Come on. And so for us to just discount it and say, well, said, no, I think the power that they displayed and the love that they had and the connection and the fellowship and the gratitude and the overflowing excitement for all things Jesus without the restraint of how do I look before everybody, is what made everybody say, there's something wild going on. Maybe they're drunk because why are they so uninhibited? And that's what Peter says, no, that's not the issue. The Holy Spirit has come down upon them. Come on. That's why this is going on. And so this is my other encouragement for you is that yes, the Holy Spirit will be shaping us, transforming us, bringing Christ into greater image in our our own being and in our own walk. And that will be ongoing. And praise God that that's the case and that's the promise. But at the same time, as we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit this year, let us also kind of get out of the way. So that along the way, the Holy Spirit can use us and be expressed in the community around us without us hampering him in any way whatsoever. And become more keenly aware. And Here's some things that I've heard with you know, some of the leaders, some of the singles. They've been trying to be more keenly aware of this because this is a lesson that we've already brought to bear. And, <clears throat> and as, as they've journaled, as they've shared, and as they've um, kind of encouraged one another along the lines, here's, here's what seems to be the common denominator. Is that when I talk to people, I get deeper I talk about Jesus. I talk about what he's done in my life. I'm more grateful. I'm not afraid to kind of let that gratitude overflow in the way that I share. Uh, also, when I have fellowship with another, I don't hold back. I know the Holy Spirit wants to expose. I know the Holy Spirit wants to encourage, exhort, love. All of that is going on in my life. I, I don't see things, Ah, oh, I don't know, is it, is it really appropriate to share that right now? I share it. That's what goes on. And even when I share my faith, I have longer and deeper conversations with people. And they actually put up with it and and really enjoy it. And and as a result, the world around you is not thinking, oh, isn't that nice that, you know, I got an invitation with good directions on how to get to the women's event. You know what? Does that take the Holy Spirit to do? I think Girl Scouts could pull that off. But for us to reconcile the world to Christ, to disrupt people in their keep on keeping on, of worldly ambitions and help them to be able to have a stoked ambition for Christ, it's going to take the Holy Spirit, not you, not my savvy social skills, but it's going to take the Holy Spirit to be able to really intervene and disrupt people's lives. So let me encourage you, as you have fellowship with one another, as you have opportunity to be able to to see a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline really look to be released in your life, really become more keenly aware of that and share that with one another. Share, here's how cool it was. When I let my flesh get out of the way, here's what happened. And then also on the flip side, you know what? I let my flesh get in the way. And here's all that happened. And I think as we share this, become more aware of this very thing, we will also be all the more desirous and celebratory of the Holy Spirit and what it is that He wants to do in our lives. I really feel like this has been one of the most revolutionary times for me in my walk with Christ. I think Deb would say the same thing. It feels like we're like adolescence again in Jesus. Like we've got this kind of like new energy, this new birth. And, and you know, at the end of the day, even though I do more and I share more and I, and I think I communicate more deeply, I don't come away feeling like, oh, I'm so much more exhausted either. I come away like, wow, how cool was that? Come on. Look what the Holy Spirit has done. And... When really great things go on, I also don't become like, whoa, look what I'm accomplishing now. Because I realize, my goodness, on my flesh, I have a long track record of knowing I don't want to accomplish that sort of stuff. And that is not at all what would have gone on if it was up to me. But when I decide to let myself get to the back seat here and allow the Holy Spirit to to go for it, I I can't help but just think, wow, how cool is God? How cool is the Spirit of Christ? And, and it's just so exciting to give that credit truly and fully to the Spirit of Christ. I haven't known anybody who's been trying to really go down this path to come out of it feeling proud other than rather than being overwhelmed and humbled and energized by it. And by the way, people not end up feeling guilty or either. Like, oh no, no I, I stink. I'm holding back the Spirit. No, you know what? If anything, I just feel like, no, nah, I missed out. That was stupid. I got the power that raised Jesus from the dead waiting to be expressed through me. And I decided... I don't, I, I don't want that to be my experience right now. I missed out. How stupid is that? But, but it, I don't come away feeling burdened and guilt because I've been reborn of that spirit where I don't have a spirit of fear, but rather one of sonship, realizing that, no, God regards us as sons and daughters. That's why he has caused you to be reborn. And, and he's rooting for you. And he's excited to, to, to give you his Holy Spirit. We'll talk about some of these aspects of performance and guilt and all of that as we move on over the course of the next couple weeks because I think you'll see it's a non-issue. When you really allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign, it is a non-issue and so encouraging. But just to reiterate, as we head off on 2015, become keenly aware, keenly aware of sowing to the flesh, sowing to the spirit, allowing the spirit to be able to have free reign or capping that. Or, or in any way cloaking that or veiling that with the pride and the concern of how we look in our flesh and our, our uh, sense of inhibition. My goodness, allow the inhibitions to drop. Trust in Jesus enough to allow the Spirit of Christ to be expressed through you. And my goodness, you'll come back singing His praises, overjoyed, singing to one another, giving thanks to God, and people wondering, maybe He's a little bit drunk. Amen. Let's go ahead and break to fellowship.